Welcome to the Artist Tree. I am your host, Canary T. Robot. Um, with me, we have a wonderful artist named Randy. Uh, Randy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Randy Guerra. A lot of people call me Randy Captain Guerra. And uh, very excited to be here today. So, uh, Randy, why don't you tell us what you do? Let's see if I can put in so many words what my kind of art's like. It's like high fantasy trash punk pinup from the 80s. <laughs> That's actually an awesome style. <laughs> uh, so uh, how long have you been drawing or when did you start getting into this business? I began making art around the time I was, well, I started doodling really when I was 17. I had never really had an aptitude for it beforehand. I was very academically inclined. And when I realized I was going to start looking for things like schools and colleges, I uh, just sort of went ahead with, I dropped what I was currently studying for, which was I was going into medicine. I really wanted to be a medical examiner. And I found it to be kind of boring. Mm -hmm. So I went online and the first couple schools I saw some ads for, they all happened to be art schools and I just sort of went for it. I'd never really drawn before then. And I found that I just really liked it. Uh, which arts did you go to our school then or I did I uh, went to the art institute in Fort Lauderdale oh wow uh, did you find it helpful or um... yes yes because I had no knowledge of anything I had never really drawn or painted or attempted to put something together before then and you just you, I went there just on a whim and it was thrusting into this environment and you're just surrounded by all these creative people and you just sort of I felt like I needed to play catch up a little bit so I threw myself into learning as much as I could. Audited a bunch of classes and just found that I loved it. Um, now, would you recommend a school for those who want to become artists? or are you, uh... <laughs> That's a hard question. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that you really need school to learn to do it. In my case, I felt like it was a wonderful experience, and I, I don't regret doing it. But... Uh, Research your schools a lot better than I did, <laughs> um, I would say. Now, uh, when you graduated college or graduated from school, uh, what did you do from there? I attempted to do more freelance type things. I, whatever was sort of thrust my way, I would just sort of pick it up and try to do it. And it worked for a while because I didn't really know what I was doing. Just like, oh, hey, here's a job. They're going to pay me a certain amount of money to do it. I might as well give it a shot. And, you know, you just learn from your experiences there. But from there, I learned how to enter, like, the convention circuit around Florida. Now, um, how did you start doing freelance altogether? Like, um, did you start online or did you connect with people? How did you, like, get yourself out there in terms of freelance? It was easiest to know people. A lot of it was through word of mouth. Like I, I would go looking around and I would apply for some things and I would just find that people weren't really interested in 
what I was trying to give. But by doing a bunch of events and meeting other artists and networking, uh, people recognize your particular style. And if they come across a job they either don't want to do or they feel they can't do, they'll be like, I know a guy who would be perfect for this. And they just sort of call you up and say, hey, I have this job that I don't plan on doing and I thought you'd be perfect for it. And that's how I really just sort of got started in doing it. And did you make connections with these artists or creative people through college or? A majority of it was through college, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily the people that I met. It's like I knew these people and they introduced me to their circle of creatives, like people I had met. And so I'd meet with them and talk with them and I guess get to know them is the best way to put it. And they start inviting you to do things like go to see these people at these galleries or come and show at this festival or come share this table with me at this convention. And before I knew it, I just knew a ton of people and they were just really interested in showing me things and letting me get involved in projects. And I just went from there. Now, um, uh, with the con circuit, what do you do um, in terms of the con circuit? Like, do you uh, do a table or? Uh, it's been a while, if I'm being honest, since I've done an actual con. Uh, I moved to Ohio recently, and I still haven't broken into anything around here yet. But as far as that was concerned, I would just mainly sit at a table. And for the first few, I was like a guy that shared a table and did all the commission work while an artist was trying to sell his uh, comic or his product or uh, getting his own name out there. And I would handle like the flow of people that would come in because I could draw really fast. They'd give me like a certain amount of money. I would draw whatever it is they needed me to draw, and then they would go on. And in other cases, I was raising money for a club I was a part of that was dedicated to getting people involved with the art of comic making. You know, I would make a percentage of what the table made, and the other part of it would get donated towards the club itself. Um, what's the name of this club, or does it still exist, or is it a s- smaller club? I don't know if it still exists at the time, but it was the uh, one of the art institutes. It was all done through them. Uh, their comic book club, and that's how I really got started. I went through my first con through them, uh, just me and a bunch of other people from the club, and from there I just kept doing it. Cool. Now, um, in terms of uh, freelance work, what type of um, artwork do you normally, um, what what sort of industries do you normally make art for? Because you mentioned comics, but um, do you do just comics or do you do other stuff? I found that a majority of the freelance work that I've been doing has all been based around making manuals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sequential art is sequential art, whether it be uh, drawing superheroes or dark, gritty noir films or telling someone step by step how to set up a table. Um, Now, have you ever worked? uh, Have you only worked uh, purely freelance or have you ever worked for a company or? I have never been part of a company, I would say. I've worked with people who do work with companies, but it was always on like a contract-to-contract basis. Mm-hmm. I was never under the employ of a specific entity, I should say. I was always there temporarily and then on to find the next job. 
um, had, does it become easier? The has become. Let me rewrite that. Uh, now, when you started, was it difficult or easy, and has it become easier or tougher? What would you say? I would say that it hasn't necessarily become any easier. I mean, finding jobs is still it's very competitive when you're doing stuff like this. There's always people trying to do exactly what you're doing, and I wish them all the luck in the world when it comes to competing for these. But uh, I sense that, like, as I've done it more and more, I've gotten more experience in, like, an air professionalism has come about me. Like, when I first began, I was just sort of taking, like, the first thing that would come, and I would settle for whatever kind of money they were offering, and now I'm realizing that they're paying for my time and that I should make sure that I give the best quality product I can give, but I'm also receiving the same kind of respect in terms of it's an employee-employer relationship. Now, as a freelancer, it's now technically your business. Um, how did you? How are you able to um, figure out like, oh, I should be paid this much versus that much? And um, do you uh, set up contracts to, or do you have certain rules? <laughs> Contracts are very important. I uh, I learned my lesson about contracts through working with the company that had me doing uh, storyboards. I did storyboards for this entire short of, uh, well, I don't want to name the company, but they had, oh, it's my cat, hello. They had uh, <laughs> me drawing all these scenes from inside of this car, and I was to, they just kept asking me to add on to it. You know, like a little bit more, a little bit more. And they were only paying me like a set amount of money. And what should have been a project that lasted me maybe a week ended up being like a month and a half. And a lot of it I wasn't getting paid for. And eventually I uh, I stopped working with them. I wasn't under a contract. <laughs> and I told them as much. And they got to keep the work or whatever. But from that point, I just began to really research like the business level of it. That's very important to know that side of when you're running something like this it isn't just you and you're accepting jobs and you're getting paid for doing work. You've got to be on top of it, know how much money you're getting, what your rate is versus what they're expecting of you so that everybody leaves with what's expected. Now, how did you figure out what your rate is or uh, how much you should be paying people or charging people, not paying people? <laughs> um I listen to some very, very smart people that uh, <laughs> are in my life. <laughs> I have to give a shout out to an artist that I have and very much admire. And he taught me a lot when it comes to things like uh, not devaluing yourself or selling yourself short. An artist by the name of John Hunt is one of my professors. And I have, there's nothing I could say about this man but praise. <laughs> and uh, he instilled the thought of, you know, if I'm going to charge a certain amount for this, I have to make sure that it's based on like my time. So I tend to think of things in like a rate, like, okay, this is the project. They're wanting to budget the set amount of money. And I think of it in terms of how long do I expect this to last so that per hour I'm getting paid what I should be paid. So if something extends longer than that, then I can discuss it with them and talk about what their expectations are versus what I'm giving them. If that makes sense. No, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I always find it interesting when um, 
I because uh, I've only met one other or interviewed one other person before who also had her own business. Um, uh, she uh, did cosplays and. Um, I always find it interesting because these you tend to be as creative people you don't uh, she didn't take business classes or anything like that so she had to research this herself as well so um, uh, did you I mean did you do any business classes or did you do research or how did you learn more about the business side or improve uh, knowledge <laughs> about the business side trial and error mostly. Uh, find out by learning like i was i had to take schools about sort of the business side uh while i was in school but it didn't really go into a whole lot of depth about what to really expect or what employers are looking for or what they might try to do like i feel like it's bad to go into some a project with the mindset of they're going to try to find a way to make sure to pay you as little as possible but in the back of my head i sort of still always feel that and it helps me keep like a professional relationship with who I'm trying to work with. So I can try to understand where they're coming from. But I also have to tell them that this is my situation when dealing with it. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that I have a really big thing about not wanting to deliver an inferior product. Ugh. <laughs> I feel weird thinking about art as a product. But yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Because uh, it's hard from what I've gathered, like, um, bouncing, I mean, you want to make, uh, there's the creativity side and then there's the business side and it's like, you, you want to think of art as more as freeing and artistic and creative. But then when you're, when it becomes, when money gets involved, that's when I, I imagine it becomes more trickier. I had an issue about this when I was in school. Because I tend to draw everything very precise. And, like, I would love to say that I do this big, flowing, all this stuff everywhere kind of art. You know, you feel all this on the inside. But I just like drawing things that have a bunch of details. It tells a small narrative, if it can. And I was told that my work was good, but it was too not very soulful at one point. Oh. Yeah. It hurt me real bad, too. uh, But... I felt like it led me to be able to analyze what that meant so I can separate like my own personal work. I like to throw a lot of colors on a lot of everything and just sort of have fun with it when it's work for somebody else. It's not necessarily like an assembly line thing, but it's to the employer's needs. And I use that part to go there rather than just, I, I feel very prideful about what I'm making and they want this instead and I'm just refusing to do it. Like, I'll tell them if something's not going to work, if they still want it anyway, but I'll make sure that they have what they're asking for. Of course. Now, what sort of sort of materials do you use for creating art? Like, uh, um, uh, are you traditional or do you use digital art? Or um, I'm primarily digital these days. Uh it's just cheaper in the long run to be able to do everything on the computer, but I am a big traditional fanboy. I have all these materials lying around. I always tell myself I'm going to just pick up and use again. I love using uh, dip pens and ink pens and just getting my fingers dirty. I love watercolor. I do a lot of watercoloring in my spare time. That's awesome. 
Um, what now? Uh, what uh, for digital? Uh, what computer programs do you use? Uh, I use a combination of Clip Studio Paint, which is, I guess, the non-named version of Manga Studio. I find that um, doing line work in Clip Studio is very uh, crispy, I should say, rather than in Photoshop where the edges are more pixelated than I would like. It's more sharp. And I also use like a very old version of like Photoshop CS2 for painting. Nice. And do you use and you use that for uh, your freelance art? Uh, the Clip Studio mostly. Uh, Photoshop uh, has uh, some painting effects that I can't seem to replicate inside of Clip Studio, so I like to bounce between them and do a little bit of this here, or if I need something specific, I'll do that there. Okay, cool. Um, now, uh, have you? I get a just out of curiosity. Have you ever? Um, done traditional art for freelance, or is it just mostly in your spare time? I wouldn't say I've done traditional art for freelance. It's mostly been like, um, what would I call this? When someone's ordering something from you specifically. Like, I do these big paintings, and people will come up to me asking if I'll paint their portrait for them. Oh, isn't like it? a commission? Yes. Thank you. That's a word I should have known already. <laughs> it's okay. I forget words all the time. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I would get commissioned to do someone's portrait in watercolor, and that's fine. I do that. It's like the only time I really do anything traditional anymore, uh, even though I know I should revisit it more often than I actually do. Now, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think because uh, I mean. You, you give you given a lot of advice in such a precise manner. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, no. I could be more candid. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it, it's fantastic. Uh, it, you're, it's a, it shows definitely a lot of professionalism. Um, uh, so it, it just um, it's surprising because it's like uh, a lot of so a lot of times when I do these interviews, it'll uh, they'll go on and on and on about their experiences. <laughs> And we'll let the per- uh, rather than get to the straight to the point of the thing. Oh, I'm terrible when it comes to doing things like rambling. I am awful. Like if you ask me a question, I'm very pragmatic about how I answer them. Like, oh, you want to know this thing? I'm not gonna spend a million years telling you about a bush that I found when I was five that made me think of sun and stars and how little my life means and that's why i chose to eat oranges for breakfast i just don't know <laughs> oh my goodness yeah I, um uh, one of the things i've actually been taught like uh when it comes to business that time is money um so like during an interview like uh especially in like an interview for a job you have to be precise um, in order to show professionalism. So this is one of the few times where it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I do have something to say about it, though. Because okay. of my very cut-and-dry nature, uh, I've been given the reputation somewhat uh, by some people that I can be a little bit of a robot. And I would advise against that all the time. Like, there's... there's it's good to be a little silly sometimes, and that's why I like to do when I do. Uh, I'm a big fan of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like I've mentioned beforehand, uh, when we talked about setting up the interview, 
And it's like the one time where I get to just not be me necessarily. And I could just be goofy, silly or fun. I don't have to think too much about what I'm doing. <laughs> Which is fantastic. That's it's, um, it's amazing. Uh, when you hear people say like every creative person has always told me, it's like, I do this, but I also do this as well. Like they're not just specifically writers or they're not just, um, artists they're not just youtubers they always have like something off to the side that they enjoy doing i mean uh david's a uh uh despite being a podcaster and a writer uh also does tabletop gaming as well so oh he does that sounds awesome mm-hmm. i i had like a deep-seated dreams when i was young this is me trying to ramble by the way uh, <laughs> being a voice actor for something and i never felt i had the right voice for it and my friend comes along and says i want to start a dungeons and dragons podcast would you be interested in doing it and i'm thinking oh that sounds fun i love dungeons and dragons can i do all the art for it it's like yeah and so i do that on our facebook page everything that's just me having fun with the art not trying to think too hard about what i'm making and I get to play this barbarian orc and I get to make these silly voices about how he's like never had a beer in his life or he wants to dance in the middle of a tavern because that's what orc barbarians do, you know? <laughs> I, 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 you mentioned that um, uh, you have a certain style. Um, how did you describe it again? Uh, I described it as, if I can recall, to the last 20 or so minutes. <laughs> it is... High fantasy trash punk pinup art that happens to be from the eighties. Nice. Uh, what is your influences for drawing that? I have always been a large fan of, to me, the, the Mac Daddy of pinup artists, uh, Gil Evgren. Uh, you ever been into one of those calendar kiosks at a mall and you always see those calendars that have those old school, like from the 50s looking pinups with uh, women ironing their clothes or uh, sitting on top of a doghouse for some reason. And it's all very risque, but like very classy. Yep. I was always inspired by those. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I love them. I love the play on fashion, um, the form and... It led me to, as I am right now, doing a lot of art that explores, like, in my own free time anyway. I like to explore things like identity and sexuality when it comes to my art. Because I always thought of it as, like, an inappropriate thing growing up. And now it's just like, I am almost 30. I should not care as much. I should just do it. And so I have been. That's awesome. Um, Now, uh, since we're coming up... uh do you have any uh, last-minute advice um, to those who would like to go into freelance artwork? Keep trying. <laughs> There's always a point to where you feel like you're just not good enough, and you should just call it quits, go be a retail something or other, or go work at a bookstore, or just be a manager for a Staples or something. And I felt that more often than not, especially in the last, what, six or so years. And you just got to brush past that moment and keep going because something will come up. You'll meet the right person. You'll begin a new avenue of study. 
you'll attempt to change what you thought you wanted to do as far as art goes. Like, oh, you wanted to be the super fame, famous, like, artist that paints murals or something, but you find that you deeply have a love for doing, like, children's books or something. It comes along. Goals change. But the ultimate goal is still the same. Oh, that's nice. Uh, where can we find you? I can be found, um, oh, God, on the internet. Uh, <laughs> uh, at On Facebook, I can be found on my own page at um, Argera Illustrations. So Facebook.com slash Argera Illustrations. I'm also on uh, Instagram and Tumblr under The Captain's Art. Uh, well, one word with a Z at the end of Captain. And uh, I'm also on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash thecaptainsart. And if anyone has an interest in uh, hearing me be an orc barbarian with my friends and act stupid, we are also on Facebook, um, Wastelands and Wyverns, also on iTunes. Fantastic. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. You actually gave really good advice. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. I'm glad I was able to give something insightful back to the community of listeners and people that I don't know but would love to know in the future. <laughs> this podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. <laughs>